Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. I don't know, I say I want to say a couple, but the Lord just hinders me, so it may be more than two, maybe three or four businesses that it feels like your business has come up to a wall. It's just come right up to a wall. You've done business on this level. You know God has another level, but it's like it's come right up to a wall. But God wants you to know now's the time for breakthrough. To break through that. If that does that make any sense? Am I making sense? If that's your business, stand up right now. Stand up right now. Look at that. Isn't that awesome? Don't let, don't, don't, don't let the enemy hinder you. In the name of Jesus, I declare business breakthroughs in Jesus' name. Every one of these business, businesses standing that have come up to a certain point and have not broken through onto the other side, we say now in the name of Jesus, break through to the other side. In Jesus' name, more income, more money, more flow more blessing. In Jesus' name, we declare it. Thanking you, Lord, that it happens beginning today in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Well, let it be so. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord God. I'm going to let, let, stand up and give that out. Now, you've taught, preached, prayed, believed, and asked for the increase of the supernatural and the move of the Spirit among you, not only in the services, but in your lives, your families, and businesses. And know this day, know this day that that increase is beginning. Increase in the flow of the move of God. Increase in the gifts of the Spirit and the operation of His power. Increase in angelic activity. So rejoice and expect. Rejoice and expect. Rejoice and expect. Supernatural interruption. Supernatural events. Things on one side and the other that are miraculous, outstanding, and incredible. And you shall see that God shall bless you and increase you and cause all that concerns you to be blessed of the Lord. So rejoice that you're entering in to that season, not by happen chance. No, you've prayed, you've believed, you've spoken it, now it's yours. So receive it in Jesus' name. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Praise the Lord. Ephesians chapter 6. Let's continue our study of faith. We're studying the stand of faith. Just to bring you up to speed, just a little bit, not to try and re-preach anything. These principles of faith will, will be to, actually next week will be the last principle of faith that we teach on. We're going to teach on rejoicing and worshiping and praising God. You know, thanking God before your body tells you you're healed. Can I get a better amen than that? Rejoicing before the check comes in the mail. Learning how to praise God because that's a true sacrifice of praise. And I want you to know if you can learn the sacrifice of praise, you can do some mighty things by faith. But we began learning, number one, first of all, the source of faith. Anybody remember? The Word of God. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. 
That's why it's important to read the Word, meditate on the Word, study the Word, have the Word taught to you, listen to the Word as much as you can. The Holy Spirit has the ability to take the written Word and make it the living Word in your heart. When you hear it, you say, when do I hear it? You will know when you hear the Word. You say, how do I know that? You heard the Word for salvation. You've heard the Word for healing. You've heard the Word for prosperity. All these things that God manifests in your life because of your faith, that's because you've heard. But it started with you listening. That's why it's important to come to church, have the Word taught to you, get the tapes, listen to things over and over. I got tape series at my house still on cassette. I still have a cassette player that I listen to some of the tapes on that I have. I've got one that I've worn out the covers. I just got the tapes left. I've worn out the cover of the tapes. But listen, every time I listen to it, every time I listen, I hear something different. I've, some of them I've listened to hundreds, maybe even a thousand times by now, and I listen to it. I thought, I never heard that before. I never, well, it's not that it's never played before. It's not that God put something on that tape. I just never heard it before. And now I was in a position to hear it. So faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Then the primary, everybody say primary. Primary way that faith is released is through confession. The Bible says life and death is in the power of the tongue. Just read a testimony in a magazine a couple of days ago. Uh, a lady came to a, 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 one of Brother Hagin's meetings. Uh, this is several years back, full gospel businessman meeting back in the 60s, and asked him to pray for uh, her son. Her son was 16 years old, and she kind of presented it to him like, you know, he's going to end up in the penitentiary. Uh, he's in a gang. He may be on drugs. He may be doing crime, this and that. And Brother Hagin looked at him and said, I'm not praying for your son. And she said she was shocked. She was like, what? You're the man of God, the preacher preaching tonight, talking about faith, and you're saying, she said, no, you've already condemned him with your words. You said he's going to end up in the penitentiary. You said he's going to be a drug addict. You said he's going to be involved in gang. He said, until you change your words, there's nothing my prayer can do for you. He came back to that same town the next year, a year later, and guess who's sitting in the congregation? That lady and her son. She changed her. She began to think, say things like, my son's going to hear the word of God. My son's not going to go to the penitentiary. My son's not. She started speaking life and not death. Amen. Well, learn to speak life over every area of your life. Speak it over your children, over your finances, over your business. Speak it over your job. I'm not, listen, I know sometimes you get a job, you, you know, you're just like, oh, man, it's the worst job I ever had. I don't like doing it. And, you know, with your own mouth, you make yourself miserable. You get up in the morning, you talk about how bad your job is. You tell your friends, your loved ones, your neighbors, I've just got the worst job. And then no wonder it's the worst job. You've, you've, you've formed with your words. Well, even if it is the worst job, you ought to start saying good things about it. Thank you, Lord, at least I got a job. Thank you, Lord, at least I get a paycheck. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that, that, that it, it may be a, a, a tough job. It may be a job that's not comfortable for me, but I say it's going to get better. And it's going to get better, and I'm going to get promoted, or I'm going to find a better job. Just use your words. Speak life. Speak life. Speak life. Then we spent two weeks, I'm going to say two weeks, studying, acting on faith. Faith without works is dead. Wilt thou know, O vain man, faith without works is dead. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works also is dead, being alone. We had to look at and look at and look at how the enemy tries to trip us up when it comes. We've believed in our heart. We've confessed with our mouth. Now we have to do something. The enemy tries to, uh, he tries to confuse us with presumption. Presuming that because it worked for somebody else that way, that that's the way it's going to work for us. No, we're all individuals. 
Amen? We're all individuals. Every one of us on a different level of faith, and God will respond to us on that level. You and I can be believing, be believing God for the exact same thing. God can tell me to do this, but he may tell you to do that. And both of us achieve the same goal in faith. You understand what I'm saying? That's why it's important to wait on the Lord, hear from God, and then act on what God says. Believe it in your heart, and confessing with your mouth will lead you to an act of faith. Remember, when you act in faith, you bring from the unseen realm into the seen realm. You bring from the spirit realm into the natural realm. God's provision, God's power, God's anointing, God's blessing. Amen? It activates the angelic realm. Every time you act in faith, God gets involved with you. Amen? Then, last week, we started studying the stand of faith. Okay, pastor, I believed in my heart. I've confessed with my mouth. I know what God told me to do. I've done it. Nothing's happened. What do I do now? Now it's time to stand. Now it's time to stand. So that's where we picked up last week. Let's pick it up this morning. Verse 12, Ephesians chapter 6. It says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Everybody say demons. Devils are doing everything they can do to get the provision of God away from you. The Bible says, prove all things, hold fast to that which is good. Why should you hold fast? Because the enemy's always trying to wrestle away from you. Wrestle away your prosperity. Wrestle away your healing. Wrestle away your peace, your joy. Have you, has anybody ever been a wrestling match with a devil? I know I have. There's been times when I thought, you lying devil, you. And I'm telling you, it gets my righteous indignation. Has there been times you just put your foot down and said, nah, that's it, devil, I've had it. I was preaching. One of the first camp meetings I ever preached, I'd just gotten out of, out of, uh, out of high school. And there's an evangelist named Gary Woods. Gary is a, is a great guy. He's a friend of mine. And Gary was in a, Gary was in a car accident. He was, a, he was a, 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 a Bible school student at a Baptist theological school and was in a car wreck, went through the windshield, and it cut his throat all the way to his spine. And he laid on the pavement, and he died on the pavement. And he, and he went to heaven, and in heaven he's standing there, and here Jesus comes walking up to him. And Jesus looks him in the eye before Gary could say anything. Jesus looked him in the eye and said, you got to go back. you got to go back. And Gary said, I said to him, I don't want to go back. He said he could sense the presence of God that he was in heaven. He said, I don't want to go back. He said, Jesus said it again. you got to go back. you got to go back. And he said, I don't want to go back. And then Jesus looked at him and said, you have to go back. And he, he said he reached over and he pulled back. He said, it was, he said he couldn't describe it. It was like a curtain. He pulled it back. And when he pulled it back, he could see the scene of the accident. He said, I saw my body laying on the road. And he, saw, he said, I saw my sister. She was also in the car with him. Down on her knees with his, her hand on his chest saying, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And Jesus looked him in the eye and said, she's using that name. You got to go back. Well, about three days later, he woke up in the hospital. His throat is completely cut. His vocal cords are completely severed. They tell him, you will never speak a day in your life. But he preaches all over the world and sings with an operatic voice. And his vocal cords are not even connected. Well, Gary Woods... Sister Frances Ward and myself were the speakers in this camp meeting. Uh, uh, Temple of Praise, Temple of, was it? Yeah, Temple of Praise in Corpus Christi, Texas. And so I do a couple of meetings, they do, do a couple of meetings, and Gary comes in on the weekend. Sunday night service, Gary comes into the service dressed in battle fatigue, army fatigues. 
And he reads the scripture. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual darkness, all the scripture that I just And he's got this big old sack. And I'm thinking, what's in that sack? Sister Ward and I are sitting there, talk, you know, sitting on, and she's punching me in the sack. I go, what's in that sack? I don't know what's in that sack. What's in that sack? And so he dumps out this sack, and it's a whole bunch of rubber snakes. And so he says, I want you to come up here and stomp on these snakes. And when you stomp on these snakes, you're going to get delivered by the power of God. Sister Ward punched me in the side and says, Rusty, that's the craziest thing I ever heard in my life. I just got out of Bible school. And so here comes this, nobody would move. Everybody's just kind of said, here comes this little old lady up the front. And she starts stomping on this snake. And then she starts hollering, I'm healed, I'm healed. Well, when she does that, the altars just fill up. People are stomping on snakes all over. And I look up, because I'm up there stomping on snakes. <laughs> and I look up, I'm stomping on my snakes. And I look over, and there's Sister Ward stomping on her snakes. She says, I tell you, it's the craziest thing I've ever seen, but it works. <laughs> Amen. Oh, it was a wild time. He said, why did it work? Well, because somebody said it worked. That's why it worked. Amen. But you've got to understand, there is a wrestling match. Many, it's not a war. Remember what a war is. War is a conflict without a determined outcome. We have our determined outcome. We are victorious in Christ. He spoiled principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly triumphing over them. We are victorious in Jesus' name. So all the devil can do is wrestle. But he tries to wrestle the answer. So it says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Listen, our problem's not people. It's the devil. Principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be, to be able to withstand in the evil day. And here's where we started last week. And having done all to stand. So the question is, have you done all? Have you believed in your heart? Have you been speaking the word? Have you acted on the word of God? If you had, it's time to stand. It's time to make a stand of faith. Amen. Not like Custer's last stand. I don't know what happened to him, but he blew it. No, you make a stand of faith, and those that make a stand of faith will win every time. You say, why? Because you've already won. Now, notice what it says. Let me read that scripture. I like it in the Amplified. It says, therefore, put on. Everybody say, put on. That means you have to do something. Put on God's complete armor that you may be able to resist and stand your ground on the evil day. How many know what the evil day is? That's the day the devil plays his highest card to try to get you to give up. When he's terrorizing your mind, screaming at you, saying it's not working, it's not working, it's not going to work. It's not. That ought to be the day you put up your hands and say, devil, something must be working. Because if nothing was working, you wouldn't be messing with me like you're messing with me like right now. Always turn the tide on the devil, amen? No, no, put on God's complete armor that you may be able to resist and stand your ground on the evil day of danger. And having done all the crisis demands to stand firmly in your, in your place. Amen? You say, what's that place? That's what we studied last week. Your place of victory. Now let's go to verse, uh, uh, verse 15. Excuse me, excuse me, verse 14. Stand therefore, everybody say stand. Having your loins girded about with truth, having on breastplate of righteousness, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all taking the shield of faith wherein you may be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, we could really get exhaustive and probably take a week and teach on each one of these, but I'm just going to kind of 
touch each one and go on. Amen? First of all, we stand. Everybody say, we stand. Notice what it says. We stand having our loins gird with truth. Everybody say, loins gird with truth. Now, we know that truth is the word. Jesus said in John 17, sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is thy truth. It is the word of God that empowers you and strengthens you. Now, understand that the apostle Paul, he is making an observation of the Roman army. He's looking at the Roman army and he's looking at their battle implements. He's looking at their equipment and he's writing this revelation based upon the equipment of an army that had been very successful in conquering the world. Rome at that time were world conquerors. They had not only conquered, but they had occupied. And none of the armaments of Rome were designed for defense. Let me try that again. None of the armaments of Rome were designed for defense. First of all, when a soldier got ready, those infantrymen got ready, they gird themselves. They put on basically a girdle-looking device. It came between their legs and up their side, and it buckled with a big, wide belt. And they took and they pulled that thing tight. It strengthened their back. It strengthened their legs. It helped them to march, and it helped them to march into battle, and it helped protect the core strength of their being. In the same way, the truth of the Word of God does the same thing. It helps us to be strengthened. It helps us to stand. It helps us to be strong, and it helps us to march forward. Amen? So that's the loins being girded with strength. Then it says this, and having on the breastplate, everybody say breastplate, of righteousness. Righteousness is our understanding that we are worthy to receive from God. Don't ever let the devil put a sense of unworthiness on you. Oh, pastor, I'm just not worthy. You don't understand what I've done. You don't understand where I've gone, how much I've drank, how much I've smoked, how much I've snorted. It doesn't matter to God. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, he that knew no sin was made sin on our behalf, that we through him might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. You have the same right standing with your heavenly father that Jesus himself has. There are Christians today, there are ministers today, there are whole Bible schools and seminaries today that says if you say that, you're in heresy. But I do not say that, the Bible says that. And if the Bible says it, I'm going to say it. I have the same right standing with God. Remember last week we studied Ephesians 2. We are risen with him. We are seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The breastplate of righteousness was literally like our battle armor that our soldiers wear today, except it didn't have a back piece. The front piece was made out of metal. And it was made strong enough to withstand the thrust of a sword or the shooting of an arrow. And the reason they put it on the front was to protect the heart. The heart's a vital organ. You get hit in your heart, you're finished. You get hit in your heart, you're done. And many times people lose their heart when it comes to the stand of faith. I watch people all the time. And it's amazing to me how people will believe God, believe God, then the time element will beat them up a little bit and they'll lose their heart. Well, begin to rehearse your righteousness. Begin to declare I've got right standing with God. Begin to rejoice in that and I guarantee you it will strengthen your heart so that you will be able to stand and to withstand in the evil day. Then it says... And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, let me just say this. Rome was unique. Of all the world conquerors, 
How many are up on your world history? The Babylonians, the Assyrians, the Greeks, the Persians, the Medo-Persians, all of these conquered what was known the, what was called the known world at the time. Now, all of these armies, except for the Romans, did this. They went in, they pillaged, they destroyed, they robbed, all kinds of atrocities. They took the wealth of the nations, they brought it back to their nation, and left those places destroyed. Rome did not do that. Rome went in, and Rome stayed. And Rome occupied. And Rome extracted taxes. What made Rome different, what made the Roman infantry soldier different than the Assyrian, the Babylonian, the Medo-Persian, or the Greek was shoes. You say, what do you mean shoes? With shoes, you could march longer. With shoes, you could march further. You want to mess up an army? Mess up their feet. You mess up their feet, they're not going anywhere. And God says, we need to do what? We need to make sure that we are shod with the preparation of the gospel. of One translation I've got at the house says, put on happy feet. Everywhere you go, tell someone about Jesus. That will, that will shod your feet. You say what? No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're standing in faith for, you're still available to God to tell somebody about Jesus, to love someone that is unloved, to touch someone that is untouched, to reach somebody that is unreached. Your feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of what? The gospel of peace. So everywhere you go, you got your shoes on. That means you're going to keep moving forward. You're going to keep occupying ground. And instead of going in and getting victory and pulling out, going in and getting victory and pulling out, you're going to go in and stay and then go a little further and stay and go a little further and stay till you possess everything God says for you to have. Oh, we could preach a lot on each one of these. Verse 16. Above all, everybody say above all, taking the shield of faith where you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. How many know what those fiery darts are? You ever had the fiery darts thrown at you in your mind? You're not going to make it. That preacher's crazy. Why are you going to that church? Don't read your Bible. Amen. Those are fiery darts of the wicked. The Bible says we're to do what? We're to hold up or use the shield of faith. Now, the shield of the Roman soldier was a unique battle implement in that, or a unique battle, uh, a piece of battle equipment in which he could implement the, the, the offensive move of Rome. It worked for him as an individual, shielding him from arrows, swords, spears, but together... The Roman army was an unstoppable force because their shields were made in such a way in which they started out as a rectangle, but then at the bottom they're brought down to a point. Now because of that, a group of Roman soldiers could come into a battle and place those shields and drive them into the ground and create a fortress. The interior group of them would hold the shields over the top, and no matter what you do, you could shoot arrows, you could hit them with swords, and they would create an impregnable force. You couldn't get through those shields. Well, thank God for the shield of faith we have it as an individual, but what kind of shield do we have corporately? We're able to put our shields in the ground. We're able to cover the right side, the left side, the front side, the back side, the north side, the east side, the west side, the top side. So when the enemy comes in and begins to shoot fiery darts at us and says, you're not going to do it, you can't have land, you can't have building, you can't have a bus, you can't have a tent ministry, you can't have this, you can't go on the internet, we just put our faith down and we stand our ground 
And now we're fixing to have our second tenth crusade. We're fixing to go on the internet around the world. We got our bus sitting in the parking lot and just wait. We're going to go get our land real quick. You say, why? Because all the fiery darts are stopped where our faith starts. Where our faith starts. It doesn't mean the devil doesn't throw fiery darts, but it does mean when he does throw them, there is a place that they stop. They don't hit in your mind. They don't hit in your soul. They don't hit in your flesh. They stop at the shield of faith. That's why it's called shield. Oh, somebody ought to get happy. Have we got more? I believe we do. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, first of all, the helmet of salvation. Guard your what? Your head. Everybody say, my head. The knowledge of salvation. Oh, you talk about taking control of your mind. The knowledge of salvation will guard your mind. If you're always worried about dying and going to hell. I mean, I remember when I first got saved as a kid, I was hoping to hit in between the time of sin and getting right with God so that if the rapture came, I'd go up in the rapture. I'd go out to play, and if it was sunny, I didn't worry about sinning. You say, really? No, I didn't worry about sin at all. You say, why? He said Jesus was coming in the clouds. There weren't no clouds. He ain't coming today. Amen. I wouldn't go to movies. I was afraid to go in a movie house because I heard a preacher preach, if you go into a movie house, Jesus comes, he ain't going in that movie house to get you. I ain't going in there. I was just a kid. I was all messed up in my mind. Amen. But when I begin to get some teaching on salvation, the sotos of God, my healing, my preservation, my soundness, my safety, my deliverance. I'm telling you, it made me bold as a lion. I mean, we'd go to different places and preach the gospel where all kinds of junk was going on, war, insurrection, terrorism. We knew people needed Jesus, so we just went and preached the gospel. You say, why? Because we had on that helmet of salvation. We knew that God had called us. We knew we'd be protected. We knew we'd be safe. And then when God said, go to Galveston, start Island Church, we didn't start worrying. We didn't start fretting. We had on the helmet of salvation. We knew that God had called us to do what we were called to do. And then God says, take the what? Sword of the Spirit. That is an offensive weapon. The sword of the Roman soldier was the most offensive weapon at the time. Even though they had developed the catapult, they had developed archery battalions, it was still the Roman sword which laid to waste all of the armies that stood before them. Your word, God's word in you is an offensive weapon weapon. It's not designed for you to cower in some corner somewhere and kind of keep the devil away from me till I either die or Jesus comes back. No, come out of your corner. Come out of a place of darkness. Take that sword and blaze into the place where God wants you to be. It is an offensive weapon. Use it to go in and possess what God says belongs to you. Amen? Now, a lot of people, they think, well, you know, if God wants me to have it, he'll get it to me. No, you've got to take it. I said, the kingdom of God. Jesus said this. The kingdom of God suffereth violence. But the violent do what? They take it. Everybody say, take it. Listen, take your healing. Don't be denied. Take your prosperity. Don't be denied. Take that blessing in your business. Don't be denied. Take your family being. Don't be denied. Stand in faith. Do not be denied. And use that sword of the Spirit. When the enemy comes against you, you stand on the word. Just like Jesus did. When he was being tempted of the devil in Matthew chapter 4, it is written. 
It is written. It is written. What do you think he was doing? He was taking that sword. It is written. It is written. It is written. The enemy cannot quench the power that is in the sword of the Spirit. He cannot stop it. He cannot touch it. There's nothing he can do about it, but he wants the church to be ignorant of it. He don't want anybody talking about it. So you make a decision to do what? To put on. Now I heard some teaching one day said, well, every day when you get up, you got to put on the armor of God. Well, if you do that, that's fine. But you know, I put it on and keep it on. You say, how's that? Every bit of the armor of God is made up of the word. Made up of the word. Every day I get up speaking the word. Every day I get up proclaiming the word. I proclaim it over myself. I proclaim it over my wife and daughter. I can proclaim it over my household. I proclaim it over the church. I proclaim it over you. Every day I'm putting on the armor of God. Every day I'm using the sword of the spirit. I made a decision a long time ago to be an offensive, not a defensive Christian. You say, what do you mean by that? Instead of trying to recover from the mistakes of yesterday, I'm going to go in and possess what belongs to me. Healing belongs to me, I'm going to possess it. Prosperity belongs to me, I'm going to possess it. Joy belongs to me, I'm going to possess it. Peace belongs to me, I'm going to possess it. Righteousness belongs to me, I'm going to possess it. Everything that God says is mine, is mine. And I'm going to have it in Jesus' name. Now let me close, because we're going to go on and teach on something else next week. But I felt in my spirit I needed to, to do this. How's my time? Oh, time's almost up. But I need to mention this, and I believe just mention it will help you. In believing God by faith, which means you're standing on the Word of God, you're confessing it, you're acting on it, you're making your stand of faith. We'll teach next week on rejoicing in the midst of it. But in doing so, there are two dimensions that you must understand. And this is where a lot of people really get messed up. There are things unique to us, believers, Christians, that belong to us by covenant right. Healing is ours. Prosperity is ours. Joy, righteousness, other things. Then there are other dimensions of faith that reach into our lives personally and corporately that take time and patience. And the Lord showed this. I never heard it taught on before. The Lord showed it to me one time when I was really struggling in an area of faith. He spoke to me by the Spirit and said, there are things in faith you must make happen. Then there are things in faith you have to let happen. And then the Lord said this to me. Here is the enemy's confusion in many people's lives is things that you should be letting happen you're trying to make happen and things that you should be making happen you're trying to let happen so I didn't know I thought well Lord you're gonna have to show me that in your word well the first place he took me was to was over to uh, Mark chapter 5 the woman the issue of blood now the issue in her life was healing and I want you to know Jesus didn't make that happen the woman didn't let it happen. The woman made it happen. You say, what do you mean? The devil attacks your body, honey. You make it happen. You get those healing scriptures. You get down here. You let us lay hands on you. You settle it. You make your stand of faith and you rejoice. If it takes you 10 minutes or 10 years, you stand in faith. Are you with me? See how you make that happen? But then there are other things. Right now we're believing God for a piece of land. There's actually three options. And there's really nothing I can do to make it happen. I pray. I'm believing God. 
for, for lack of a better word, I can say it like this. The ball's in God's court. I've rolled the care of it upon him. Other people are going to have to respond. I know God's involved. Angels are involved. Something's going to break loose, but I can't make it happen. I can't just walk in there and say, give me this land. They'll look at me like I'm crazy. So you see, there's an element of making things happen. And then there's the element in which you must let things. Many times, things that involved relationships. Amen. Uh, young people, if you're believing God for a mate, you can't make that happen. You walk up to somebody and say, you're going to marry me? They'll say, mm-hmm, yeah, right. Why don't you go hide over there and I'll meet you next Tuesday. If I'm not there, when you get there, I'll be there later. You can't make that happen. In business many times, businessmen understand this. There are things you can't make happen in business. You just got to believe God, make your confession, act on the word, stand and say, okay, God, it's, ain't nothing I can do about this any longer. You don't have to do it. And then you have to be patient and let it happen. So here comes the enemy, and what does he do? He tries to flip that on you, try to get you in where you should be making something happen. He says, well, just let that happen. And where you should be letting something happen, say, now try to make that happen, and then you get frustrated. But what you do is you stay solid, understanding, first of all, if we have it by covenant, the Bible says God's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the precious promises of God, we're partakers of the divine nature. The divine nature is not sick. The divine nature is not depressed. The divine nature is not broke. Are you with me? The divine nature has a calling and destiny. Listen, get in there and make that stuff happen. I would have never, I would have never, I would have never been in the ministry if I had listened to most ministers. You say, what do you mean? Well, you know, I was out there trying to make things happen in ministry and nothing was happening. And so I met one minister who's very well known, still well known to this day, and I asked him, how'd you do it? He said, I just looked at the phone and said, ring, and it started ringing. So I went home, looked at my phone, and said, ring, and it didn't ring. It said ring, and it didn't ring. And a week later, I'm still going ring, ring, and it finally rang. It was my mother. <laughs> Amen. Well, I knew right then and there, making this happen isn't going to happen. So I begin to just pray, and I begin to just roll it over to the Lord. And we can begin to deal with it in prayer and speaking the word and prayer. And many times that's where your confession comes. Thank you, Father. There are people that want me to come preach. Thank you, Lord. Even though I just got out of Bible school, there are people that want to hear my testimony and hear what I've learned in Bible school. Thank you, Father, that churches are going to open up. And next thing I know, I was getting little Sunday night meetings, little Wednesday night meetings, full gospel business meetings. Within about a year, I was doing revivals. You say, well, I had to let it happen. I had to be patient. Couldn't make it happen. So there are areas you just can't make it happen. You're going to have to let it happen. You're going to have to learn to trust God. But in the areas in which the enemy attacks your mind or your body or your finances, listen, you stand up and you stand in the armor of God and you get that shield of faith and you get that sword of the Spirit and you say, no, devil, you're not going to do it. And you wait in there and you take what belongs to you. And you do it in Jesus' name. And don't let the devil confuse the two in your life. Hallelujah. Did you learn something this morning? Praise the Lord. Brother Frank, go to the keyboard. Lift your hands and worship the Lord. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.